On today's show, if you treat yourself like an agency, will you attract bigger and better clients? That's part of what we discuss with our call-in guest, Kate, who's living and working in London. With Kate, we talk a lot about marketing, positioning, branding, and lots of other stuff she'll need on her journey from a four on the freelance to founder scale all the way up to a 10. Stick around all the way to the very end where we really get Kate thinking, and maybe you'll have a breakthrough yourself. It's all on today's episode of Freelance to Founder. Here we go. I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey. I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube. This has been really helpful and I, I think a good mindset shift for me. Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately. Discovering that I'm a founder instead of a freelancer has been amazing for me. If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance2founder.com. We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee with Milo.co and of course joining me on the air today as always is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey Clay. What's going on? How you doing man? I'm doing all right. What's, what's doing new? All right. I'm, I'm currently freezing my ass off. It's right cold now. in Austin. It, it, it is cold. Oh really? Yeah. I woke, uh, up, I woke up to 12 degrees this morning and I'm oh, like... Man. No, this is Texas. <laughs> yeah, it's not supposed to be this. <laughs> right. It's supposed to be warm. I'm because I'm in Utah. We woke up this morning. My uh my son goes to junior high. He's 13. And his, you know, classic 13-year-old, his hair was still wet. Uh he was in a hoodie instead of a coat. And I look my we we sent him out the door and I'm like, Are you gonna be warm enough? And he's like, Oh yeah, no problem. And my my wife, meanwhile, is like pulling up her weather app, right? And it says 10 degrees. <laughs> And I'm like, no. wow, we are great parents. But um, I guess I guess when you're a kid, you're indestructible. You know, that's so At true. Least that's what you. That's what you think you that's are. That's what right? you think. Yeah, and it's and more problem, important to look cool than to be warm. Oh, for sure. Don't like. Mm-mm. You're not gonna put on that generic jacket or coat. <laughs> yeah, uh, no way. He, he'd probably rather freeze. <laughs> yep. And and heaven forbid he mess up his hair with a hat or anything like that. You know, so. <laughs> yeah you know what's well, so funny is that i still think i'm indestructible but my body does not no so for sure that's that's the reality of getting older yeah i went sledding with my daughter yesterday and we 
hit a jump way too hard. It was like my first time down, and and we were just like done after that. I was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm all beat up. My arm still hurts real bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, joining us also today is our newfound friend Kate, calling from London. Hey, Kate. Hi, hi, everyone. How you all doing? Thank Hello. you so much. Doing well. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Kate's been listening to the show, signed up to come on. Hopefully, we can. Uh, help you knock out a few questions you have with your business today. Let's start off. You can tell the listeners and tell us a little bit more about what you're working on, how long you've been working on your business, what kind of clients you have. Just give us kind of a, paint us a general picture of what your business looks like. Yeah, thank you so much. So I am a founder of Where to Look Communications, which is an internal communications and collaborations consultancy. And latterly, um, over the last year, I've transitioned to being focused on neurodivergence and supporting organizations to create internal communications and an environment that's conducive to supporting neurodivergent employees. So it's really exciting. I have a personal connection with that because my children are neurodivergent. Uh, So for me, it's a real... um, You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Personal project. Uh, and I find it helps me to drive the the work that I do and my ambitions. So I've founded uh, Where to Look Communications in 2018, um, so six years uh, this year, and it's been um, it's been a real you know journey. I um, mainly work with large multinational organisations, uh, multilingual, multicultural, and that's my my space of comfort. Um, I really enjoy it. I love working with different languages, uh, working with people from different cultures. It's what I've been doing for many years now. Um, And it could be anything really from an engagement perspective around surveys, um, listening projects. So working with employees to listen to their sentiment and their perspective and to decode that. Um, anything from channels management to, for example, intranets, internal websites, as we call them, um, social collaboration platforms, leadership visibility, knowledge management. It's a wide range. And some of it's digital, uh, some of it's uh, less so. But yeah, all focused on stakeholder, internal engagement, employees. Wow, that's fascinating. I, you know, I love all the graphic designers and web designers 
and writers that we have out there. And please keep keep listening and keep joining us. I love you. I also love when we get someone on Kate who's doing something I haven't really heard that much about before, right? Um, so I love the, that you're doing some unique work that I'm personally yeah. not familiar with. In fact, you said earlier, did you say neurodivergent? Neurodivergent. Yes, what, neurodivergent. What's that? Yeah. So that's um, identifications and conditions like autism, okay. uh, ADHD, ADD. I'm actually dyslexia. very familiar with this. Yes. Yes. My my you, wife deals with with this uh, with mostly with kids. Yes, with exactly. Kids, yeah. There's a lot of work being done with children in mm-hmm. that space, um, and it's um, people misunderstand it. They think it's learning difficulties, and in some instances, that's uh, comorbidity. I hate that term, but that's the medical description for when you've got two uh, two conditions running alongside one another. Mm. Um, so often, you do get. Uh, in, uh, children with ADHD or autism and also learning difficulties but that also happens in the neurotypical community too so neurotypicals are people who are not identified as autistic or um, ADHD or dyslexic okay wonderful yeah so doing some really great work there and it's some important work exactly yeah. well um well good I I also love that you're working with sort of enterprise level clients, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know that we get a lot of that. So let's talk through a little bit where your business is headed. As listeners know, uh, when you come on the show, we have you fill out this short questionnaire so we can get to know you and your business a little bit better. When Kate prepared to come on the show, she filled out the questionnaire. and, and, And one of those questions, maybe the most important question for us is, where do you put yourself on a scale of one to 10, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder? Where do you sort of rate yourself? Kate, you put that you're at a four right now, mm-hmm. um, but that you'd like to be all the way at a 10 in the next year or so. <laughs> Ambitious. Um, yeah, I, and I love the ambition. Paint us a picture of what that might look like. What's a perfect world scenario for you a year from now, Kate? Well, uh, like I said um, in the form, a lot of the work that I get is very similar to what you would do as an employee. So I tend to fill in roles that are interim or there's a gap between uh, someone leaving and a permanent replacement. So I tend to play that role in most of the organizations that I work for. Um, But actually what I want to do and what my ambition is, is to provide consultancy on a project to project basis. So that's coming in working on a particular project or assignment or creating a particular environment or rolling out a program. Um, I have my own program that I'd also like to move over to rather than just doing BAU interim work. Um, And don't get me wrong, I enjoy it. It's really been a a great uh, journey for me and, and lucrative one too. But actually where my ambition lies and where I think my future lies because it's um, more, you know, where I want to be is in working in on projects, in programs as a, as a true consultant, as opposed to being um, an employee that's um, working as a contractor. I see. So, but you'd like these companies to hire you or your business, not necessarily get a, a full-time job as a consultant? Exactly. Yeah. So you become a a consultancy and I assume bring on other people to help consult as well. Exactly. Yeah. So I would then hopefully move towards having associates, people I work with to roll out a particular project or even uh, permanent employees um, that I could work with to roll out programs for organizations. Um, And that's very difficult for me to find right now because a lot of the work that's available um, or is offered to me is tends to be interim uh, interim based so you're working on business as usual projects as you would do if you were permanent but on an interim basis and so if am i hearing you right that you, you know you'll get hired as a contractor you'll come in to the business uh, you'll help solve some problems gather some data offer maybe some some consulting and coaching but then after the the big problem for which you've been hired has been solved, they they no longer really see the need to keep you on as a contractor. Yeah, exactly. And often it's an interim. So, for example, if there's been someone in the role who left the organization because they found another role, 
or, or something similar. Mm. And it takes time to hire, doesn't it? It takes, you know, a good few weeks to make a good hire that's a good fit. So between that time where the person leaves and the new person joins, they often need someone to fill that gap. And, and that's often what I do as well. Interesting. Whereas what I want to do is be okay. very similar to your, you know, your big four consultancies, which are PwC, Capgemini, McKinsey, um, that sort of uh, area where they come in as true consultants. They're not employees. They come in to roll out a particular project or program or work with, um, you know, departments to transform it in, in some way. Um, and that's more like the way I'd like to work going forward. It's really interesting what you say about a consultancy, right? Because there is kind of two ways to tackle this, right? And the, and the first is you come in, you're, you're more of an employee and, and you execute perhaps on, you execute with, with your expertise, but, but still you're more executing as an employee or what, what they want you to do as opposed to, you know, a company hires a, a big consulting firm and they, they have no idea where to go and no idea what to do. They don't even maybe know what the real problem is. They just know exactly. what the pain points are. Right. And so there's a whole different level of expertise that's required there, which means a whole different level of, of being able to charge higher prices and work on longer term projects. So I love where you're headed with that. What do you feel like is uh, maybe standing in your way or what are some hurdles that you want to chat about on the show today that we could hopefully help you look at from a different angle or, or maybe explore with you? Well, I think marketing is probably one and I'm fortunate to have a coach. So I've been working with a coach just very recently. I've, I've hired one to support me in that ambition. Um, so I think marketing is one area that I could really do with support. Um, because if you think about it, a lot of the work that I find is, it may well be offered to me. I sometimes seek it out, but it's more about creating uh, an environment whereby you are seen as and perceived to be providing consultancy services as mm. opposed to being just an individual contributor who can come in as a freelancer, as a contractor, almost as a, you know, a kind of a, a pseudo employee to fill a particular gap or solve a particular problem for a specific period of time. Right. Whereas, you know, what I what I'm aiming to do is to market myself more as a consultant, um, particularly a program that I'd like to uh, roll out, which I've developed. I'm really keen to to do more marketing around that because I'm just at the beginning stages of that. And that's around neurodivergence. Um, so, you know, really positioning myself in, in that in that light where people see me as a consultant, see my business as a consultancy, um, and then from there start looking for associates to support. So, yeah, I'm not in a position right now to roll out a program with a group of people behind me to support, but that's where I'd like to be. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't know which comes first, chicken or egg. Do you get the business first <laughs> and then hire? Right. Or... <laughs> Yeah, and we've we've talked about that a little bit on previous shows, and and we can tackle mm. that a little bit more today because I think your situation is is a bit unique with where you want to go and what your business offers. Yeah, but Clay, I'm curious from you as you think back, you know, you've built a couple agencies, and and there's always that transition period where, and I've had obviously this experience as well, but there's always this transition mm -hmm. moment of like, it's Clay or it's Preston, yeah, and then at some point it's we, <laughs> right? We the the agency or the the consultancy or and you want and you and it's it's not even necessarily in my mind that there's been personnel change it's that you want your brand to feel more like we than yeah. i right and so how do you how do you recommend kate navigate that shift in her marketing and her positioning and her branding um to feel more like a, a a larger or maybe more capable or, or, um, yeah, I don't know what the other words yeah. are, but, but you kind of get the question. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, I think this is an interesting question because I don't think it's, I don't think the answer is the same for everybody. I know with like mm. in the, the marketing web realm, you know, for the most part, generally speaking, uh, being an agency or portrayed as an agency will get you more business. At least that was, 
my experience. Um, it will get you bigger business, bigger, bigger clients versus a freelancer. Now, I think there, I think this could be the case with, with UK, but I, I, before, before, you know, we, we, I say that statement, I think it's a matter of your current clients. Do they, do they want to hire in general? Do they want to hire a, a consultancy or do they want to hire a consultant? Because it's a good I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. And I think they don't know what they necessarily need. Mm-hmm. So the knee jerk is for them to look for a contractor or an interim freelancer, because that's what all the other organizations do. And mm-hmm. there are many agencies that you can go to, you know, third parties to be able to find people like that. Um, almost recruitment agencies for freelance workers. Um, mm. And so it's the way that many organizations fill gaps uh, or support particular departments if they're low yeah. on staff. Yeah. But so, actually, I think that in some instances, what they require is much bigger. But whether or not they realize it and whether they're willing to invest in that is, an, is another story. Yeah. I, I, I think this is something you don't have to guess at. Mm. So if I think if you take your current or slash past, I would say past clients, clients that you've already worked with, mm. that you have a good relationship with, who you feel are ideal, right? They're ideal clients. Um, if you feel comfortable going back and asking them that question, saying, hey, going back, this is just for my own purpose. Um, what do you... Did you guys feel, do you guys feel comfortable or did you feel more comfortable hiring me as a consultant or would you, or, or is it the other way? Is it like, or do you feel more comfortable hiring like an agency or consultancy as as a, as a brand? I would go back and ask them if you can get at least five people or more, um, and ask them that question. I think that's going to allow, that's going to tell you what the answer is. Because if they all say, oh, yeah, we wanted like you as a consultant, mm. I don't know if I necessarily would would like brand myself as a as a bigger entity than than you actually are. Yeah, and that's if it's interesting. The other way around, if it's the other way around, you know, then you can brand yourself as a consultancy with you as the CEO, founder, whatever, mm. even though you still are the only person part of the organization like on the website it could you're not lying but it's just a perception right right exactly and I have spoken to a couple of past clients um, and actually proposed that package of ongoing support positioned myself in that way um, on the way out you know from doing that interim role and in most instances what they have said is they would like to work with a fully blown agency that's got team behind it, mm-hmm. designers, yeah, graphic designers, copywriters, that kind of thing. Um, so you know that, that there's yes. at least some demand there. Yeah. Yes, there is a demand for sure. Right. I think. It, I think it also. I think it also. I think there's there's just two different purposes, right? Like, for someone who a company to hire a consultant. There's a very specific purpose behind that versus somebody who wants to hire a much bigger entity or organization. Like, just like you said, they want copywriters. They want this, they want that. They want yeah. the whole shebang. Like there, there's two different roles there. So yeah. I think it's just, a, I think it's a matter of like, one, who does your ideal client want and for what purpose? Number two, which one do you actually want to do? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, some people don't want to have sense. a team. Mm-hmm. True, true. I I think one thing for me too is I I am always hesitant to say, well, move away from this source of new regular clients that you have, and position yourself and brand yourself and go try to 
you know, have a two pronged approach, which is like, first, you have to convince people that they need you in the first place. And then you have to convince people to hire you. That's always such a struggle, right? And I feel like if you were to take that path, you would maybe be moving backwards. Mm -hmm. If it were me, and I were in this position, and you and you get maybe a few new leads a month, or I don't know how many, how many new, new leads or new clients do you get? And how often? It's it's not that regular. Um, okay. the sort of the flow, the pipeline is is quite poor. So often, what happens is you will get the ad hoc inquiry and then the ad hoc uh, projects, which may take me from typically six months, five six months. Okay. Um, I have done longer assignments, but mostly six months, and on a day rate, which is the typical way for okay. people in my space to work. But yeah, I'm trying to, I have been for the last, I'd say three years doing my best to move away from that day rate approach. I know you've spoken about it extensively on your show and I've listened to your advice um, because as we know, we all know there's problems associated Mm, with charging Yeah, by time. It just doesn't work. Yeah, but I think, I think you can make maybe a few adjustments that can that can keep you getting hired by the people you're already getting hired by, mm. but then turn it into more of what you're looking for. So, for example, you said on your way out of a project, you might say to them, you know, would you like to try something more long term? I feel like yes. this is the value I could bring to you long term. And they say, ah, oh, we're looking for an agency. Maybe in the beginning of your engagement, right, as a consultant, as an independent contractor, you say, and if this goes well over the next six months, or if this goes well, you know, about three months in, I'd love to chat about what other things I can offer you. I have, you know, these mm-hmm. resources and this thing, and and uh, and if this and if this is going well, I think we could really do some great work together long term, mm. right? And so you sort of plant that idea from the beginning. Instead yeah. of them thinking, and that what that does is it changes them from thinking of you as like filling this hole, filling this gap, mm. to th- to then opening their mind to this idea of oh, Kate and her work and her team could be a long term solution, right? Um, and really, the question is just, do we want that? Not, you know, what are we going to do when Kate's done filling this gap? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it kind of shifts how they think about it. And then I think too, if everyone is set on, I guess, I guess really the moral of the story of both of these is, is like, how do we not upset the apple cart as much as possible while still getting what you want and still delivering to your clients what they want? Because the second piece is, if they want to work on a day rate, yes, we, we have advocated against hourly rates, day rates, and exchanging your time for for money, right? Mm-hmm. But if they are set on day rates, and if that's how they compare Kate versus everyone else, you in your mind could say, well, I'm going to charge them, you know, $3,500 a month or something, mm-hmm. or let's make it let's make it easy math, I'm going to charge them $3,000 a month. Well, that ends up being about $100 a day if you take every single day, which of course, you're not working every day, but just go with me here, because I'm awful at math. Um, but if you, but if you could break it down for them and say, my going rate is, you know, 3000 pounds a month, um, which equates to about a hundred pounds a day or whatever, so that they can compare apples to apples and they can say, okay, Kate is going to charge us about a hundred pounds a day. These other similar people we're considering are charging us, you know, 150 pounds a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you can charge on a monthly basis, you can break it out for them so that they can see and 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 sort of compare with with people you're competing against. So I think I don't think you have to necessarily convince them first that, you know, well, project based is better and um, mm-hmm. and hiring me uh, hiring like agency version of me is better. You don't have to convince them of all that stuff. I think get your foot in the door, start to build a relationship with the client, and then spark these ideas in the beginning, and hopefully those can pan out later down the road. Yeah, it's an interesting approach, and I think that building relationships is key and having those conversations, which can sometimes feel a bit salesy, mm, yeah, is, yeah. is often yeah an uncomfortable position to be in. But yeah, as as I get more and more, you know, I go deeper into this um, this freelance founder. Um, area, I'm beginning to see that it's pivotal, really, to to grow, hmm. to develop, to have those yeah. those you know perhaps slightly difficult, com- uncomfortable conversations about extending your services. But yeah. from, I mean, from my perspective, I'm I'm a very senior um, 
contributor in in the space that I'm in. There's mm. um, there's a few of us, and and I'm a stalwart, I suppose, in my industry. People know me very well um, in the space, um, and I've been working in that for 25 years. So um, people consider me to be some heavyweight. If you want to describe yeah. it, and I think that. you are, yeah, yeah, I think you ought to leverage that. And you know, the the number one thing, and it's been a minute since I've said this on this show, so I'll repeat it. Um, whenever you feel like your pitch is too salesy, mm. in my opinion, that mostly comes when we don't understand or fully appreciate the value that we're giving to our client. Right, right. If we feel like we disproportionately give more value than they return to us in monetary value, then that pitch becomes really easy because we're saying, you know, here's everything I'm going to give you. Oh, and by the way, here's what it costs. Not, hey, I really want more money from you. I'm going to make up some stuff I can do for you so that I can make more money, right? That's when it feels Mm -hmm. salesy and sleazy and all those words we use. Yeah. Yeah. When we're adding tons of value and oh, also happen to be getting paid for it then it it doesn't feel that way. It feels like I care about you as a client and as a business and I want to take care of you. And here's how I'm going to take care of you. Oh, and by the way, that's what this costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, saw, I saw a post on uh, someone, I don't remember who it was, but I, I, I read it and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, on how to price your, your services, right? Uh, and this is along what Preston, you were just saying, is like if you feel if you feel like your pitch is super salesy, you know, it's like, look, think about the value, but like figure out how much value you think from a, from a monetary perspective that you you would be providing that client and then price yourself at 10% of that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does makes total sense. And I've heard you say it um, to other people and it, and it always makes a lot of sense when you say it. Um, mm-hmm. And in reality, actually, yeah, it's it, it does work when you think of it from that way, from that angle. Um, or or same math, figure out how much you want to make mm. and then find a way to offer 10 times that 10 amount times. of value. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because same math, the reason words. is, <laughs> yeah, no, exact same math, right? Just looking at it another mm-hmm. way. But the point is, how do we give way more value? Because then it becomes a no-brainer decision, right? If you're yeah. like, look, I can do this for you and it's going to bring you 10 times the results. Well, of course, of course we want to move forward with that idea. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, indeed, you can't say no to that. And I think a lot of the the the, the work I'm doing now focused on neurodivergence and working on engagement and internal communications from that lens or through that lens is something that many organizations don't necessarily prioritize because it's considered, I think, within that the same field as DEI or EDI, um, equity, diversity and inclusion or diversity, equity and inclusion, depending on the organization, Um, you know, I know it offers value. I know it can change, transform an organization if it's done in the way that I prescribe, but it's just not a priority for many organizations simply because they don't understand the transformation that can happen if they do focus on neurodivergence um, as part of the EDI, DEI package. Yeah, and I know you asked about uh, what kicked this all off was you asking about marketing and And so I will give you this counsel as someone who's worked in marketing for a long, long time. And that is, um, you know, you think about, we've talked about on this show, if you listen back far enough, we've talked about jobs to the jobs to be done marketing framework. Put most simply, you know, if, if there's, if you have vitamins, right, and painkillers, two medications, painkillers are going to sell much more quickly and much more easily than mm-hmm. vitamins even right. though we we all probably ought to be taking our vitamins mm-hmm. right and yet i have some painkillers in my home and i'm not sure i have my vitamins right now right and and so there's always like this issue of well yes someone needs it the client needs it they need to take their vitamins they need to work on their edi they need to make their workplace a better place 
but what what are a lot of them focused on depending on the organization well they're focused on you know top line revenue they're focused on employee yeah. churn they're focused on all these things that yes will be affected by taking or not taking these vitamins but they really are focused on pain points and and looking for a painkiller medication right and so if we look at our services that way it's really interesting you don't want to be in the business of having to convince someone to take no, their vitamins exactly. and then sell them the vitamins. Right. It's just so much harder from mm. a marketing point of view to convince them twice. Um, and so I think yeah. that's an important way to look at your offering as well. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I have heard you say that before. And also the coach that I'm working with has mentioned that as um as a as a as a feasible approach, one that makes a lot more sense and is a lot more efficient in terms of you know delivering the the kind of goals that you um that you uh, kind of results that you're looking for so yeah yeah that right and you might end up offering me. the same services right but you but you frame it in a way where you say these services that i offer will get you the results that you need right the, yes. the vitamins will help you have less pain just not in the way you're expecting and so you have to you still have to come back around to this idea of the thing that you need will help you accomplish the thing that you've identified that you wanted. Yeah, the problem. It's exactly. And it's true. And that's the journey I'm on right now. You know, as we speak, I've just started that whole process of turning it on its head, the program that I'm offering, turning the the solutions that I offer on its head from focusing on neurodivergence and engaging neurodivergent employees to what, uh, how that can support with the immediate problems around, as you say, attrition, talent acquisition, engagement, advocacy, um, all of those key things that organizations hold so dear are actually affected by the program that I'm trying to sell. Mm. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a good point. It's a very good point and, and a good reminder too. Yeah. And, and in my mind, all your marketing should point in that direction, right? You focus on this is kind of the basic marketing principle of um, benefits, not features, right? Yeah. We, don't, we don't talk about the features that our service has and what we do. We talk about the results that it gets, the benefits that come to that organization as they work with us. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of my marketing is done on one channel of social media, which is LinkedIn. Um, I absolutely focus 100% on that. Um, a bit of Twitter or X as it's now called, but mainly LinkedIn. Um, and that has its ups and downs. So it's a, it's a fantastic platform. I absolutely love it. And it's worked very well for me from a network perspective. So I've met a lot of great people, made some really fantastic friends. But as a business development tool, not so much. Not so much. So that's the, the it's a kind of social selling approach I've taken, which is really long term and uh, very slow in terms of delivering results. But do you have uh, a take on that um, and whether you feel it's um, a good uh, approach to BD, generating income? Yeah, Clay, where where do you currently sit on the social thing? Because I know you've had moments in your career where you've been like really, really deep into social, yeah, uh, and in for your marketing, and then other times where maybe it hasn't delivered like you've wanted it to. Where are you currently at with it? I think um, so. Currently, where I am now is I. <laughs> it's so funny. I've spent the last eight, almost nine years in marketing. And the first, we'll say nine years, right? So I'm coming up on year number nine. Um, I've I've spent the first eight years, eight and a half years doing it backwards. <laughs> so what I mean by that is, is that, and I think everybody does it, does marketing backwards. Um, I'm including social media with this. And here's here's what I mean. I think every single person, every business out there is focusing on the front end stuff, meaning like they're doing social media, they're doing ads, they're doing lead generation, but they don't have a system in place that will, that will nurture and sell to these, to, to leads that are captured. They don't have a system that will nurture and sell to them in the background. So 
that's where I'm like, like now, as of right now, 2024, I'm like, create, create an, what I call an autopilot system, uh, where you have this marketing system that will, will run in cycles, the sales cycle, nurture cycle, sales cycle, nurture cycle over and over and over again. And then once you have that built, then you can focus on social media, focus on ads, focus on lead generation. Cause that way, like whenever you make pitches to people and let's just say they don't buy because let's face it, most of them don't buy in the first pitch. They they're being ran through a system that is pitching them in the backgrounds, running in the background. Um, when it comes to social media, I think social is actually one of the last things you do, in my opinion. Um, I, I think it is. I think it is important. I'm not. I'm not discounting social at all. I think it's super important for brand awareness. Um, I, I just think you need to have a system in place that's going to be able to capture any leads that you do get. And so that way you're not missing out on like 97% of potential business. So Clay, when you say a system, I mean, what does that mean? Are, are you, what are you using any sort of medium like email or are you? Yeah, it's mostly, it's, it's a, it's a combination of email, uh, text messages and, um, and it's all organized in certain what I call cycles, and you use uh, deadlines. You use deadlines because us as human beings, we don't we don't really we're not motivated to take action unless there's a deadline. In general, um, and so there are there's some like tech in place that you can put in place that you know where you, where you have deadlines to things. Think of it as like um, you know how some people do live launches where. They, they have like some sort of uh, some sort of uh, promotion, like like they have a course or, or a product or something that's where they have an open enrollment. Uh, but the, there's a deadline, right? The deadline is you got to sign up by February 1st. Well, that's done in real time. What I'm talking about is is creating a system that that is done in an automated way that puts in those deadlines like it does like a like an enrollment period right and i guess the, the question for me is just like so if so if if linkedin and social media come last uh you know i i hesitate to to say to kate like well this thing that's working linkedin that's working for you like you got to set up all this other stuff instead I'm just curious stop. where LinkedIn. You don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. You keep going with what's working and then, and then maybe work on a system. Yeah. You should never stop. Like, I mean, the real, the real statement that conquers everything else is that you never stop anything that's working. Mm-hmm. If it's working, don't change it. Don't stop it. You know, what's interesting you know? too is Kate. So Kate, do you do a lot of like direct messaging on LinkedIn and no, things? No, I, no. I really dislike because I get a lot of those and they are yeah. just so awful, you know. So when you're engaging with people on LinkedIn, what are you mostly doing? Posting well, and commenting? Re- exactly. Social, proper social selling, like true social selling. So none of the hard sell stuff, literally mm. making network, you get building networks. From like I said, no, very rarely. Occasionally, yes. But mm-hmm. as a BD tool for building a pipeline, it's quite poor. Yeah. Do you find... Do you find they ultimately lead to yes. business development or? Yes, it, it, but it takes a long time. Sure. Yeah. What's a long talking, time? You're talking a good couple of years, hmm. you know, good sort of 18 months to get anything concrete. Um, and in that time, you may have conversations, but often they don't turn out to be anything. Um, people want your advice for free. Um, you know, they want your guidance, but will it actually turn into a paid projects unlikely Mm -hmm. my experience yeah but i'm not doing any of the processes that you spoke about just now which i think is probably the bit that i'm missing Um, yeah i mean if it's if if it's not working that means you either need to eliminate it or you need to change it need to change it yeah yeah like i mean a a couple years is a really long window (laughs) (laughs) you know know. it's it's just like Honestly, like, you know, what I do is like, I have a, I have uh what I like 
it's, it's just a campaign tracker. It's just all my marketing and sales activity. And I track it quarterly. I track it quarterly. And if I have certain metrics for each campaign, and this all really depends. Like if it's a branding campaign, then there's there's no like ROI, right? There's no, there's no, oh, how many leads did I get? Because it's just branding, right? Branding, the metric for that is like impressions. Like how many people actually saw this stuff, right? That's social media. Social media, in my opinion, is like, it's just, it's branding stuff. Mm. Um, or if you're like running lead generation ads, like maybe it's, you have something that you want people to download and you run an ad for that. The metric is how many downloads did you get? Anyways, my point is, is that I have all this listed in a campaign tracker and I can't, and I, and I have it to where, and it's just in Google sheets. Um, and I have it to where, uh, I, I set the metric according to the, the campaign. And if I hit it, if I hit that metric and it's done every week, right? I do it bi-weekly, but I, I don't change anything for an entire quarter. Right. But I, I, I mark, I mark what I did every single week. And then by the end of the quarter, depending on whether I hit the metric or not, it either highlights red or green. If it's mostly green, boom, it's working. I keep doing it for the next quarter. If it's a bloodbath, I'm going to eliminate it or change it. And I and I look at it every quarter. So like doing something for a couple of years and it's not working, like that's insanity. Yeah, I mean, know? it works in one way. So, and then this is the, the problem I have with um, generally with business. I, I tend to use it as a mechanism to also, you know, build relationships I've made some mm-hmm. really good pals. Well, okay, so the metric is different for that, right? Well, exactly. You have, to, you have so, to track the right metric, right? So if the metric for LinkedIn is how many clients you got, maybe it's not working that great. But no, if the metric not. is how many solid relationships Oh did my you goodness, get, it's through the roof. There you go. I but get I think my you have statistics. To, I think you have to be careful adjusting that metric just so that you feel like you're succeeding because oh yeah true um you know if if you start linkedin thinking oh i'm gonna spend lots of time here and eventually it's gonna pay off with leads and then you just end up making a lot of good friends which is what's happened right then well it's like what are the what do those relationships do for you that's the question right they are very good relationships they're not business development relationships um i Mm. do often get referred but they are primarily go out for a drink relationships. But do referrals come through? Like, is that where do you get most of your referrals? Oh, it's a good question. So from agencies, usually offline, nothing to do with LinkedIn. Although having said that, you do get people who see your posts, but don't comment or don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called they're called lurkers, I think. And <laughs> yeah. they, so this yeah. is branding, right? This is branding. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then they find you through another mechanism. Oh, and then you hear them say, I, I see your posts all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you think, oh, bloody hell. So it is working. <laughs> so this is this is why you have to like, you have to recognize whether something is, is a branding campaign, because then that way you just track impressions. Mm. Right? You just know, you got to go into it knowing, I'm not going to get direct leads off of this particular strategy. I'm just going to get impressions hmm. because it's and then branding. anecdotally i know that people tell me i see your stuff on linkedin yeah right. that's why we called you exactly yeah yeah, yeah. So it's a very difficult thing to track um, well absolutely yeah it is and, and you have to you have to ask the right question so every every single new client that you get going forward you need to um you need to ask these questions you need to ask um like a branding question hey do you do you see our content on on linkedin Mm. yes or no then that way you really know it's working yeah or or just how did you hear about us or or something something along those lines right um or maybe both if you're if you're particularly concerned with your how much time you're spending on linkedin i think too it's important to develop relationships with the people who are actually delivering leads so if if you're getting a lot of leads directly from agencies you ought to be nurturing those relationships with the agencies as much as you're nurturing relationships on LinkedIn with people who, you know, may or may not be sending you those leads. And so for me, in terms of marketing, I'm the same as Clay. I don't track it the same way Clay does, but I really lean into what's working. And 
and I spend most of my time leaning into what's working and then maybe 20% of my marketing time experimenting with new things. And as I find new things, then I lean into those more. And, um, and I think, I think that's maybe what's missing here, Kate is, is it's like, boy, I'm really enjoying this LinkedIn time, but is it really, (laughs) is it really developing business for me? Right. You hit the nail on the head and (laughs) hearing you both talk makes me feel a bit silly um, oh no no know, no no! Some Don't. kind of you know insanity, you know, doing the the same thing. Oh, over and over trust again. us! No, trust us. Me and Preston <laughs> have. I can't speak for Preston, but I I think I know the answer. He and I have both done stuff for probably way too long that we we probably should have. Oh yeah, I'm still yeah. I'm still doing it. Let's be honest yeah, with ourselves, I am, right? And, I am too. <laughs> there's, I mean, yeah. there's more to consider in your life than than business development and right. business growth too. Exactly. And so I would I would never say like you should completely just delete your LinkedIn account. It's not worth it, right? There's other no. value you're taking from that. And so very much but so I think it yes. is it is important to frame that the right way, right? And say and, and you are on a, a business advice show, right? And so um it's important for you to say like, okay, based on, you know, total number of hours I spend on LinkedIn every day versus total number of hours I spend, you know, making making my work known among agencies or whoever's already driving some of that business development for me? Could I move some of my time over here and not lose Mm. out too much on the LinkedIn stuff? Could I spend more of my personal time instead of work time on LinkedIn if that's what it's more turning into? I think those are just kind of some of the questions I would be asking myself. Mm. um, That's really interesting. I'm quite excited actually listening to what you're saying because it's making me think differently um and making me look at the way I spend my time differently and actually what you you said just now makes a lot of sense to me you've given me a lot of food for thought so yeah <laughs> fantastic well great it, uh, unfortunately we are at the at the tail end of the call today Kate but it's been a pleasure chatting with you getting to know you learning more about your business before you go why don't you let everyone know where they can connect with you uh if they want to work with you if they want to hire you or if they're just interested in the work that you're doing Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. Yes, my company is Where to Look Communications. And the best place to find me is on LinkedIn uh, via Kate Isiche. That's I-S-I-C-H-E-I. You can also find my podcast, Engagement Express, on most uh, good podcast channels. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, Kate. Thank you so much. I've been Preston with Milo.co and, of course, Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. We will talk to you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and the Poglomerate. You can find links to my business, Milo, Clay's business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, the Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode. Remember to call in for your own episode at FreelanceToFounder.com. A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit FreelanceToFounder.com or search Freelance to Founder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance to Founder.